start looking at Scripture together. Jesus, uh, we know that you came to bring peace in our midst. Uh, and this morning, our hearts go out to those who are suffering um, because of this latest tragedy. We know that your heart breaks, God, that you're familiar with suffering, that you understand what it's like to experience violence, and that uh, when we say you're in the midst of it, that's what we mean. We know that you have been there, and you understand, and you are with us. So we pray, God, you're supernaturally your presence will come amongst, amongst the mourners, and they'll feel our support even though we're at a great distance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I threw a really difficult community time question at you today, which most of you, I'm sure, avoided, which I don't blame you for. <clears throat> Have you ever blamed anyone for something that you did? Okay? And maybe you thought back to your childhood, or if you are a child, you thought last week, I blamed someone else for something I did. I, I think I did this consistently, especially since I had a younger sister and I could blame her for things, so maybe some story like that popped up. But specifically, this, uh, as I was reflecting on it this last week, I thought, I think this happens a lot in the work environment. So some of you, see if you can relate to this. Uh, I was in a situation not that long ago where um, there's a problem in a work environment, not at Mill City, somewhere else. There's a problem in a work, there's never any problems in the work environment at Mill City. <clears throat> there's a, we, we had a conflict, right? There's clearly something, we're all sitting around, like there's something wrong here. And as we begin to discuss it as a group, it's clear that it's no one's fault. There's something wrong, but it's nobody's fault, according to the people gathered, right? Anybody been in a situation like that at work? And if you ask any particular person, they say, well, so-and-so didn't send the email, you know? Or, I received the email, but the email didn't say exactly what I was supposed to do. Or, you know, whatever. And you just go round and round and round. And I was in a situation like this where everybody didn't, nobody wanted to be held responsible for what was wrong, and so everybody was trying to find a way to say, well, it's not really my fault. And the result of that kind of behavior, if you've experienced it, is that everybody just gets more and more frustrated right? Someone's like, what? Come on. Like, seriously, you know you have some responsibility here, but no one takes it. People get frustrated. People are defensive, and no nothing moves forward. Everyone just kind of protects themselves. And then I was in a, a subsequent meeting in the same topic, and a lady walks into the room who's in charge of a team, and she sits down, and she starts the meeting by saying, so we screwed this up, and everyone just looks around like, whoa, did she... Did she just say, we screwed this up? And as soon as she took responsibility for her and her team, just like, we made a mistake and we need to fix it, then all of a sudden, everyone else around the table was like, well, yeah, I mean, I could have done this and I could, you know, it was like everybody was free to all of a sudden say, all right, yeah, I have some responsibility too. But it took someone in the group to step in and say, yeah, okay, this is our fault. And I don't, if you've experienced anything like this in your life where people are either really defensive and unwilling to take any responsibility or someone steps through that mess and says, no, I, this is my part of this uh, and I will take responsibility, you know how much freedom can come from that. And so today, the reason I gave you this question is today I want to talk about the importance of confession as a step towards experiencing God's peace. 
We're focusing on God's peace in the midst of Lent as we lead up to Easter. And today I want to connect the dots between why confession is an essential practice for us if we want to experience God's peace. If you want to really feel and and know God's peace in your life, you have to be willing to confess your sin and receive God's forgiveness and God's healing and God's freedom. That's what Scripture teaches us. Now, I know for some of you in the room, confession is a terribly scary word. So here's kind of how I'm using it this morning. Maybe this is a simple way to understand it. Confession is telling the truth about your life and asking for forgiveness and freedom. Confession is telling the truth about your life and asking for God's forgiveness and freedom. Confession is not just getting things off your chest so you feel better, uh, but truly admitting where you have responsibility, where you have fault, where you've done wrong, so that you can experience forgiven and healing, forgiveness and healing and freedom. Now, confession is a regular part of Christian life. It should be a normal thing that we're somewhat comfortable with. I mean, it's always vulnerable. But confession's not like this far-out thing that only people who've done really terrible things do. It's a practice that God has given to us so that we can regularly be set free and be healed from the things that we do wrong that are against what God wants for us. So it should be a regular habit, something that we're not afraid to do, that we're not embarrassed to do, but that we know that God's given to us as a tool so that um, guilt and shame don't weigh down our lives. You know, at Mill City... I don't know that we've always done a great job of giving you all environments or opportunities to do that. And so today what we're going to do is actually practice some confession together, not in a horribly scary way where you have to like share super vulnerable things with the people next to you, but in a private way where you can talk to God about things and then we'll all together share a confession by reading it off on the screen. And I hope that it will continue to become more of a regular practice for us at Mill City Church. Now, for some of you, maybe the word confession reminds you of some awful experiences that you've had in church. Uh, I don't know. We have people from all sorts of different church traditions and no church tradition at all in in Mill City. And I know that church can be a dysfunctional place. And some of you have had really dysfunctional experiences in church. So I want to start out by just saying, you might be very reluctant to confess your sins, even privately, to God, because of some of your experiences. I know what that feels like. I've experienced that myself. Um, But at the same time, I think we have to find a way to acknowledge that even when things have been experienced terribly in certain situations, confession still is a cornerstone practice for us to not be weighed down by the things that we've done wrong in our lives. So my question in this sermon is just, how do we take steps forward, regardless of our past experiences, to be honest about our lives and receive God's forgiveness and healing as we move forward. And so I'm going to read you this passage from Ephesians chapter 2. As we talked about Ephesians a little bit last week, and I don't have time to give you as much background on Ephesians, but if you want to hear that, I did a bit of that last Sunday. You can listen to that sermon. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's writing this letter. And in the message version of the Bible, here's how the beginning of chapter 2 starts. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old, stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. 
You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Eugene Peterson is the one who translated the Bible into the, into the version that's called The Message. You can read it in other versions uh, later today if you like, but I thought that this line was worth using this version. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. This passage is talking about things that we have consciously done that we know are wrong. It's not talking about things that you didn't understand were wrong. It's not talking about things that were done to you necessarily that were wrong. It's not talking about systemic sins, which we've talked some about at Mill City Church. This, this, today we're focused on things that we knew were wrong and did anyway. Everyone has sinned, Paul's writing to these, these new Christians in Ephesus. None of us has an excuse for what we have done. This is a core principle, a core foundational teaching of Christian faith. Everyone has sinned. Nobody has an excuse. We all have turned our back on God in some way or another. Now, this reality seems very hard for a lot of us to accept, right? Nobody wants to be told that they've done something wrong or that they've turned their back on God. And maybe you're already feeling defensive as you're listening to me say these things out loud. We don't want to feel like we've done something wrong. We don't want to have to admit that we are part of the reason we don't experience God's peace in our lives or in the world. It's easier to externalize the problem, right? It's easier to say someone else needs to change, this institution needs to change, other people's mindsets need to change, the politics need to change, the church needs to change, the pastor needs to change, somebody else needs to change in order for us to really experience God's peace. It's harder to own our own piece of that. There are so many things, I think, that hold us back from confession as a regular practice, and I just want to name a couple of them because I think they're important. The first one is uh, just this overwhelming sense of guilt. Depending on your background, you may, every time you hear the word confession, just feel overwhelming guilt. And maybe you thought that the point of confession was just to make you feel real bad about yourself. Or maybe that was your experience of it in some church setting or another. Guilt, I think, when it's proper, is just recognizing that we've done something wrong. Recognizing that we don't do everything right. We don't line our, our lives up with God's will for us all the time. And if we don't receive God's forgiveness for the things that we feel guilty about, then it's a mess. Then you're carrying that guilt around with you all the time, and it weighs you down. And you start to either hate yourself, or you start to reject whoever told you that you were guilty in the first place because you don't want to live with it, and that's understandable. Some of us are held back from confession by shame. Shame could be defined as just the pain that we feel when we're aware that we have some guilt. The shame or the hiding that we do about things that we think other people will judge us by or God will judge us by. And so some combination of feeling guilty and feeling shame keeps us from actually entering into the practice of confession and receiving some forgiveness and healing and freedom from God so we can feel God's peace and experience God's peace. 
So maybe you want to think about what your relationship with confession is as you sit there this morning. Maybe you're an overconfessor. I call some people an overconfessor. Like they're just ready to say like, oh yeah, I totally did it wrong. I know I'm wrong. I know I'm a sinner. I've done everything wrong pretty much all day today. And there's not much that I've done right. And they sort of walk around not really feeling God's freedom or um, God's healing because they always feel like I've, I must have done something wrong that I've offended God and that's just my normal state. That's the state I'm in of being a sinner and needing forgiveness every moment. Or maybe you're an under-confessor. When, as you hear me talking about this, you can't even imagine something that you need to ask forgiveness for. You can't even think of anything that you've done wrong. And confession is not really part of your spiritual life at the moment. There are so many challenges to trying to be honest about sin in our lives. There can be many obstacles to experiencing God's forgiveness, healing, and freedom. And so that we can experience God's peace. But this passage in Ephesians says two simple things that I want to put in front of you today. We've all sinned. And no one has an excuse for what they've done wrong. The willing things that you have done wrong. Now, thankfully, the Bible offers us a solution to this problem. You don't get to walk away from Mill City Church this morning saying, well, the pastor said I was a terrible person and there's nothing that can be done about it. God says, I created you good. I created you perfectly in my own image. And sin has derailed that and stolen it and uh, made it look different than I intended it to, to look. But I have a solution for this, the problem of sin in our lives. The Bible offers us God's peace through confession of our sins and receiving of God's forgiveness. The distinctly Christian response to sin in the world is to repent, to receive God's forgiveness for our sins and to let God heal us. And so this is what we're going to do. For the next 10 minutes or so, I'm just going to lead you through what is a very traditional practice of confessing sin and receiving forgiveness? It's not anything weird. It's not anything we made up. It's not going to cause you too much stress, I don't think. But it is going to ask you to reflect honestly about where has there been sin in your life and how can you receive God's healing and forgiveness. I think there's so much spiritual power in saying things out loud. There's power in admitting things like privately in your heart, silently to God, but there's also tremendous power in saying things out loud and especially saying things out loud as a group. So for all of us together to say, God, we, we recognize that as a community, we have fallen short of what you want for us, what you've called us to, and we need your forgiveness and healing. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to read through a couple of pieces, clear, simple pieces in Scripture of what it is that God is asking of us. And then we're going to look at ways in which perhaps we've fallen short of that. I'm going to invite you to have a moment of silence so you can reflect and talk to God privately about some of the things that stand out to you after I read these. And then together we will we'll speak out a confession to God and receive God's forgiveness together. So uh, I think you have a handout. Bryce, did you, did you do that already? You're, you're working on it? All right, there, there'll be handouts coming around to kind of walk you through these next steps. Um, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to read. We're going to read through the Ten Commandments that God gave us in Exodus. We're going to read through Jesus' 
uh, description of what's most important in life for us from Matthew 22. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to see what Scripture says about how we are to approach sin in our lives through these few pieces of Scripture. So it'll be on the screen for you. Otherwise, you can follow along on the handout that's coming to you. Here's, here's how God instructs us in the law in the book of Exodus. It says, God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet, which just means uh, have excessive desire for things that are other people's that you don't have. When Jesus was asked, what are the most important commandments? Because there were so many commandments in the Jewish tradition. Here's what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 1 John chapter 1 gives us a framework for thinking about confession in our lives. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are all falling short of what God asks for us. When we read these pieces, just short pieces, we can see, maybe you can look at that list and say, oh yeah, I know that I haven't, I haven't really honored the Sabbath. I haven't really honored my parents. I really haven't loved my neighbor as myself, if I'm honest about it. And we need to ask for God's forgiveness. We can't just acknowledge those things. We have to receive forgiveness in our lives. And one of the most amazing things about the good news of Jesus Christ is that Jesus understands the temptations that we face because he faced them as well. We don't have a God that's distant from us, that doesn't understand the human experience and just piles up expectations on us. Instead, we have one who became a fully a human being to redeem humanity and experience everything we experience except to do it without be, uh, committing any sin. So in Hebrews chapter 4, we have a description of this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. 
Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I want to give you just a few moments now to reflect personally, look through these things that are written down on the page, and and open your heart up to God helping you acknowledge, yeah, there are some things that I do need forgiveness for. There are some things that I have done that I know are not your will for me. And I want to admit and own those things. I want to be honest about them, and I want you to to heal me in the midst of that. So we'll just have a, a couple of minutes for you to do that here. All right, I want to invite you to uh, speak out this confession along with me. This is one a confession that I modified a little bit, but has been around for hundreds of years that people have used to ask for God's forgiveness and grace and mercy and healing so they could experience God's peace in their life. Um, <clears throat> should have it in front of you on your page or you can read it on the screen. Uh, Let's begin. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name 
Amen. God does not leave us in our sin. God does not leave us in our guilt or the feeling that we have of shame. But instead, here in Ephesians 2 at the bottom of your page, here's how God decided to respond to the mistakes and the sins that are present in our lives. Uh, In the message it says, Instead, instead of God doing away with us, immense in mercy and with incredible love, God embraced us. God took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. God did all this on His own with no help from us. Then He picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where He wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all God's idea and all God's work. All we do is trust Him enough to let Him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. Jesus, we receive the forgiveness that You offer to us today. We hear You saying to us that we're not defined by our sin and our mistakes and our guilt. But God, You have taken that away through what You've done through Your Son on the cross. We hear, God, that You are offering us good news today. Forgiveness and grace and mercy are ours in Jesus Christ. Help us to trust You. Help us to be honest with You. Help us to heal from the things that we have done wrong and send us out as peacemakers into the world that you love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.